0: Hey, history fans. Here's a rerun for today, brought to you by Tracy V. Wilson. We hope it makes previous episodes for this date easier to find in the feed. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy B. Wilson, and it's November 15th. Major General William Tecumseh Sherman's March to the Sea began on this day in 1864. This happened during the U.S. Civil War, and it's more formally known as the Georgia and Carolinas Campaign. The Union Army had captured Atlanta in September and had removed its civilian population with the intent of keeping Atlanta as a strictly military base— It had also, though, destroyed factories and railroads and buildings, basically anything that might be useful to the Confederacy. Many homes in Atlanta were also burned, although it wasn't the wholesale destruction of the entire city as it's often popularly imagined. The march from Atlanta started on November 15th, and Sherman's force was divided into two approximately equal wings— They continued southeast toward Savannah, Georgia, where they would arrive on December 22nd. This was not, though, a straight, unbroken line. The two wings progressed in four columns, with the right wing shifting south toward Macon, Georgia, and the left wing shifting north toward Augusta, Georgia. This was to make it seem as though maybe those cities were the real objective, but both columns shifted once again and bypassed both cities. This march was incredibly destructive. The intent was to rob the Confederacy of anything it could possibly make use of and to terrify the civilian population and try to encourage a faster Southern surrender. So the Union Army took anything that was edible or valuable from plantations and from farms that they passed. Sherman had promised to make Georgia howl. So they burned outbuildings and farms and sometimes homes. They kept destroying railroads and cutting telegraph lines and burning stores and supplies. They were, as they went, also emancipating people who were enslaved on these properties. So, in theory, this destruction, and it was definitely destructive, was supposed to have some limits, Sherman gave orders not to enter people's homes, and when seizing livestock, they were supposed to focus on things that were owned by rich people rather than what was owned by the poor. The people who weren't resisting were supposed to be left alone as much as possible. The intent, after all, was to deprive the Confederacy of anything that could be useful and to terrify people into surrendering. It wasn't to punish the poorest civilians and the freed people who really had nothing else. But in practice, these orders that were supposed to sort of temper this whole process were often not followed at all. Soldiers carried away as much as they could and destroyed what they couldn't. And a lot of people who were left in the path of all of this destruction were women and children because a lot of the men were away fighting. This also meant that the people they were liberating from enslavement were liberated now, but they were left with nothing to support themselves, no way even necessarily to have shelter or food, and Sherman and his army were taking no responsibility for them or for making sure that they were going to be able to survive once they had moved on. The two wings of Sherman's march reconnected in December. They took Fort McAllister before bombarding the city of Savannah, and then after capturing Savannah, Sherman sent this telegram. His Excellency President Lincoln, I beg to present you as a Christmas gift to the city of Savannah with 150 heavy guns and plenty of ammunition and also about 25,000 bales of cotton. W.T. Sherman, Major General. The destruction in all of this was massive. The Union Army lost fewer than 2,000 of the 60,000 men that it left Atlanta with over this more than a month of the campaign. And it was also disastrous for Southern morale as it was intended to be, especially for the civilians who had thought that the Confederate Army would protect them and instead had no protection. Sherman estimated that the march through Georgia caused about $100 million worth of destruction. And then the following year, they turned north toward the Carolinas, and that march probably also did an equal amount of damage through the Carolinas. After the war, Sherman's march became part of the Lost Cause propaganda that reframed the Confederacy's role in the war as a noble and heroic but doomed struggle to preserve a genteel way of life. It even appeared in the 1915 Birth of a Nation and then was later part of Nazi propaganda. Thanks to Christopher Rossiotis for his research work on today's podcast, and thanks to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on the show. You can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts, and you can tune in tomorrow for a battle that led to the end of an empire.